Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 199 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. So today's episode is very special to me. One, because it's episode 199, just before the magical 200 mark that we're going to celebrate next week. But secondly, because I get to interview another Andy's mom. And that is just really, really special to me. You know, what was funny is that I didn't even think about it when I was emailing her back and forth. But as I typed her name in my calendar, I realized that her first name is Mary, which is only one letter off from mine. So not only is she Andy's mom, but she's Mary, Andy's mom. Only one letter different from me. And I think it's also special because her Andy grew up a little more than mine did. So I just like to hear stories of grown-up Andes. So I do get a little emotional with this one, and it's just because it's extra personal to me. A reminder again that next week is that very special episode 200. So if you have any last-second additions that you want me to make, maybe try to email them right away. I really haven't even started recording it yet because this is being recorded six weeks before that episode 200 will air. But Hopefully, I will be done with it or close to done with it by the time this does come out seven days before that one. Again, if anything really touched you, feel free to just send an email and I might be able to sneak it in at the last second. Right now, I just want you to sit back and listen to Mary, Andy's mom. Thank you so much, Mary, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. Marcy, it's so good to see you and talk to you. So I just have to say, it just means a lot to me talking to another Andy's mom. I mean, that's just, it's just really, really cool to talk to another mom of an Andy. And and it's and he wasn't even an Andrew. He was an Andy, just the same. And I don't know. It's just extra special to me. Well, I'm so glad. And I feel, you know what? Hey, there's this bond. But, you know, with the name Andrew, a lot of people go by Drew or, yeah, you know, they want the whole thing. But to me, Andy is, it's just to say it is so cute. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's so funny because I remember him being a kid. And I mentioned this recently because I had an Andrew's mom on who was Andrew. He was Andrew, not Andy. And I remember saying one time using Andrew and he just looked at me like I was crazy and said, I'm not Andrew, I'm Andy. Like, yes, buddy, you are. You are Andy. And he just always was. And it was actually hard. Even when we made his tombstone, 
you know, for his grave. And I was like, it should be, I mean, we put Andrew Lee Larson, but we also just put Andy because he wasn't Andrew Lee Larson. He was Andy Larson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It just, yeah, it just, he was Andy. He was Andy. And that's what he wanted to be. He's always your Andy. He's always my Andy. So anyway, I love to hear about another Andy. And I actually really, and you mentioned this earlier before you started recording, how your Andy grew up. And that's also why I wanted to talk to you too, because I kind of wanted to talk to somebody whose Andy grew up. Because, you know, Andy didn't grow up all the way. And and your Andy did. I mean, he was in the prime of his life, you have to say. But, but anyway, I just want to hear about him. You are so sweet. And yes, Andy, my Andy was fortunate. The accident happened when he was 35. He was able, and it did take him a while, those 20s, you know, I think times have changed from 20 years ago, but sometimes the young adults now, they just don't know what path they want to take, even in college. Oh my gosh, you come out and it's like, well, gee, what am I going to do now? And we're thinking, oh, and he said, (laughs) he wanted to be a wrestler. You know, we're like, well, I don't know, you know, you're going to be able to support yourself. You know, Andy, I didn't want him on one of those TV shows. You've seen those wrestlers. I thought, oh, sure. I, I think they're entertaining, but, you know, and it, it's, I don't know, you know, but he was, and then he realized, you know, I, I think I better get serious. <laughs> so um, he did, he studied hard and he went and he had to take some more science courses and that, but he pursued his dream. He became a dentist and he was at the prime of his life, just about to yeah. start establishing himself. Yeah. Well, why don't you start out by just talking about him as a kid and growing up and your family a little? Well, we had so much fun when he was little. He was the life of the party and he was my firstborn. I only had, I have two children. Elizabeth is my daughter but Andy, it was just, I couldn't wait to have children. I always wanted to be a mom. Yeah. In my twenties, I worked as a pediatric nurse. I, you know, became a pediatric nurse practitioner, but I loved teaching. So I I got into the teaching, but that was my twenties. So I had Andy when I was 32 and it was the happiest time of my life. And I was able to stay home with the children. Elizabeth is three years younger, but I was able to stay home and enjoy a good 10 years spending time with them. Mm-hmm. And he was a character. He was, oh my gosh, when he was little, he was starting school. He was a character in kindergarten. He was one of the younger ones. He was a November baby. Uh-huh. So his so, social skills weren't maybe as, you know, it was tough for him to go a whole day at kindergarten, but <laughs> he was, oh my gosh, you know, he, he loved those when he was little. He loved monster movies like Bella Lugosi, vampire movies. And we're like, oh my gosh. And he'd say, I want to watch Lon Chaney, who was that, you know, the guy that played Wolfman. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then as he got older, you know, going through school, he loved action hero figures, you know, comic books. And to this day, I'm sitting in his room. He's He collected, you know, comics, all those action figures. And of course, the wrestling guys, you loved, you know, that. But he had a really happy childhood. All his friends thought he was so funny. He loved humor. He loved, as he got older, he loved watching Seinfeld and those shows, but 
You know, it's so funny hearing about your Andy and my Andy because they're really different in many ways. Like my Andy in kindergarten and first grade. So he would he would get scared at like movies really easily, like the Disney movies with the villain would scare him horribly. I mean, he just would be terrified. And so whenever we would have indoor recess, what the kid would do with the kids is they would let them watch a movie, right? And she could stay inside and watch a movie. And with Andy, the problem was is that he would get so scared watching the movie, he couldn't do it. And so they would let him go and sit in a tent because they had these little tents where you could go read a book. And so in recess, when everyone else was watching the movie, he would be inside reading a little book quietly to himself so he didn't have to watch the Disney movie. (laughs) And I would get like nervous if it was raining or bad weather. I thought, oh my word, they're going to have indoor recess. This is going to be bad. We can't have indoor recess. And then your Andy was like watching all sorts of crazy movies, even uh, in Love and Action Heroes. Like I could never let my Andy watch an Action Hero movie. He would have been terrified. I mean, even those that Bella Lugosi and the vampire, I, I don't like watching them. I think the vampires, you know, going to come around at night, but he loved it, uh, you know, and it just, but uh, at the birthday parties, everybody said, oh, he's so much fun. And yeah, he loved having a good time. He loved, you know, we took him to Disney when he, they were young. I think he was about seven, eight. He just, oh, he loved Disneyland and he was just so happy. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, the high school years, he was very, he was smart. Things came easy to Andy. He had to work hard for what he got, you know, the grades, but he did, he was on the wrestling team in high school. He had, you know, he became the captain. That was like his proudest moment to become captain of the wrestling. And he was very shy. I mean, just didn't really get into girls. I would say senior year of high school, he finally got the nerve up to ask a girl to the senior prom you know, and he did it online. He said, you know, and uh, oh my gosh, he was just, he felt like king of the road. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was really a homebody. He really liked being yeah. home. He loved his sister. They would love to, you know, have good times together. And she tells me now we'd sometimes go out of town as they got older that, you know, they would like to make margaritas. <laughs> yeah. They say, okay. Yeah. But no, he, he really, he had a good childhood and the twenties were kind of, it was a tough time figuring out what he wanted to do. You know, mm-hmm. did he go to college? He went to college after high school. Oh yes. He went to college yeah. after high school, which quite honestly, he probably would have been one of those young guys that would have been better taking a year off and, yeah, you know, doing some volunteer stuff, but he did. He went away to school. He went to John Carroll, which is in Cleveland, which, you know, from our area was about three and a half hours, but he got homesick. And I think it was a tough adjustment for him going down there. But because you're from Western New York, I didn't mention that. But yeah, mm-hmm. Andy, he was such a kind person. He was he was very emotional. I think that my mom lived with us, too, for 11 years. He was probably the my daughter loved my mom, too. But he was the grandchild that really, it was, he took it hard as she got older, you know, yeah. she got some dementia. It really was hard on him. And yeah. then eventually, and this happened recently, you know, before he had passed, I'm okay, but I did come down with breast cancer and I had to, I couldn't take care of my mom. So, cause she was living with us. So I, you know, had to, 
she had to go to assisted living. I just, I couldn't do it all. Yeah. He was, he kept saying, why can't she live with us? I said, Andy, I, I, you know, at the time too, I was working and I said, I, I just can't do it. But he, he would go visit her frequently mm-hmm. and he'd get tears and you know, he'd start crying. Yeah. My mom would sometimes say, why is he so sad? I feel so bad, but he just, and then, you know, a lot of times he'd say to me, I'll never let that happen to you because eventually, you know, she was insisted living and her dementia did get worse. She had to go into a skilled nursing, which it's tough yeah. going through COVID and all that. It was, it was tough on all of us, but I'd say Andy took it the toughest, you know, but an example too, you know, the patients in the nursing home love, they have, sometimes they they'll give them dogs, those, you know, dogs mm-hmm. that because we're a family that we always had dogs and cats. We love animals, but he got her one of those animated dogs and he just couldn't wait to give it to her. <laughs> and I've got a little video of him with that, but you know, that was one of the, the last moments. He just, he, he took it hard to see his grandparents get older. That's funny. That, that reminds me of my Andy, cause he was always the sensitive one and the emotional one. And just, man, he just loved big and, I think now his his grandmother, her dementia is getting worse, certainly. And I've been so fearing when, because she oftentimes she looks at pictures of the kids and she doesn't know who they are and which ones they are. And I, I just get so sad to think that she might just totally forget him. But then I think too, when you mentioned that, like how sad it would make him right now to see her like she is, you know, and not remembering everybody and always having to have so many reminders. And yeah, he would have taken that hard. He would have taken that hard. Well, Marcy, this is kind of an unusual situation too. You know, 2022 was the worst year I've ever been through. Yeah. It just, this is no, of course, it doesn't have anything to do with losing a child, but we um, had a golden retriever. So she was four, she lived to be 14 years old. And Andy was so close to that dog. He loved that dog. So it was in March and he was working in Syracuse and he would, you know, keep texting me, how's the dog? How's the dog? Cause she was, <laughs> you know, they get the dogs get to a point. You have to put them down. Um, she couldn't walk and um, she ended up, you know, it was, it was time. And I said, Andy, I will not do anything until you're here. So Eventually we did have to, you know, put the dog down in March. Then a week and a half later, my mom passed away and uh, it was, you know, she was, she would have been 95 and Marcy, you know, the thing about life, we can only live long and um, it is still sad, you know, when you lose somebody, but it was her time and it was just, it was her time. She was, she'd lived a full life. Yeah. And then Three weeks later, almost it was on a Sunday, the accident happened to Andy. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I can think is they're together. Yeah. My mom was cremated. Her ashes are with and Andy. You know, you're in shock when this happens. And, I'll, you know, I'll talk a little bit about what happened to Andy, but you're in such shock. I didn't, we didn't know. And I said to my husband, I said, should we cremate him or... You know, and he, he he said, you know, Andy was young. He had this a young, a beautiful body, and he. I, so we had a we had a regular funeral for Andy. Mm-hmm. He was not cremated, but he's he is buried with my dog's ashes, Chloe yeah. and my mom. 
So he's not alone, you know, but it's so hard. But anyways, the accident for Andy, he was starting in this, this job in Syracuse. He went to college. You said he was kind of discovering himself. It took him a while, but then he ended up like, oh, I want to become a dentist. I want to go to dental school. And so he did that a little bit later. He did that a little bit later, like in his late twenties and he graduated from dental school. He graduated with thesis honors. I mean, he really, wow. He really buckled down. Yeah. Yes. Buckled down. And he was just, he loved he loved dentistry. He worked actually in New York state. I'm not sure, but he had to do a residency for a year. Uh-huh. He worked at Roswell park, which is our cancer hospital. And they have a dental residency program for dentists because a lot of patients going through chemo and radiation, yeah. you know, have dental issues. So he took such good care. You know, he just, he loved working at Roswell. That was like and we actually buried him in his Roswell sweatshirt because he, he loved helping those patients. And we got, we got a letter from a patient that he took care of that, that said he was an incredible young dentist and uh, he was so empathetic. And this was a family too that had been through a, a terrible time. And they said, Andy sat down and he helped their family. The um, patient needed to have some major work done. And Andy was working with an oral surgeon and he sat down and was so patient with his family explaining everything. And we didn't know about, you know, how he was, yeah. you know, dealing with patients, but this family was so appreciative of what he had done. And Buffalo is kind of small. They had actually, this family had said to my friend, we met this incredible young dentist. His, you know, his name is Andrew, you know, and, uh, it was Andy. Oh, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So you know, you, you get these stories later on, and it, it just it just makes you feel so proud. But he did. Then he ended up the Syracuse job. The woman really was trying to encourage him. She was older. She was you know my age, trying to encourage him probably to take on the practice, right? Which was nice because a lot of dentists you go into these group practices or you go into more of a a private practice where, you know, they're still working, but she was looking for somebody younger to come in and and take more responsibility. So at the time of the accident, he was doing that. And she wanted him to go to this conference in California, which was about office management. And he, so she had scheduled him leaving from Buffalo to go to California. And he got on this trip. He left on an Easter Sunday which was April 17th last year was Easter Sunday. He left in the morning and he missed his connecting flight in Detroit. So that put him back a little bit. And he got into California later that night. He was tired because he had worked Saturday, drove back from Syracuse to Buffalo. And then flew all the way across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Flew away across the country and he got into San Francisco later. We didn't, I didn't know where he was staying or anything. And he got in late and Andy, you know, when he got hungry, you know, he would, and it, nothing could stop him. And at Easter Sunday, the restaurants around it, there were closed. This is, you know, what we had yeah. trying to understand the situation yeah. Yeah. on his own. He had Googled several restaurants in that area because they had, you know, found his phone after the accident. And he was trying to find a place to get something to eat that he could probably walk to. Right. Cause he didn't, wouldn't have had a car. Well, he didn't have a car. Yes. And you know, I'm thinking he wasn't a big Uber guy, you know, he just, he would walk and, you know, trying to find something that was simple. 
it was outside of California. It was kind of like a more of a rural suburb area. And he was, had taken off less than a mile from the place he was staying. The accident occurred and across the road, it was, a you know, it was a highway. There was this in and out burger. Yeah. He was, you know, oh my gosh, when he probably saw the burger sign was thinking, I got to, you know, get over there. Easter Sunday where, you know, anticipating yeah. traffic wasn't busy because, you know, as a mother, I'm thinking, what were you thinking? I'm thinking, how could you have crossed this road? Well, he yeah. did. And yeah. um, because traffic was light and uh, he figured he could do it. Well, he got hit by a van, a Sienna. I can't even look at Sienna Toyota vans anymore. It was a van. He was hit by a Sienna Toyota van, a white Sienna Toyota van, you know, this, you know, he died on impact. It was um, multiple blunt trauma. It was, and I'll tell you, it's, it's just a, you're in shock when you hear. And I think the word, it was terrible because you're sound asleep at night. We're in Buffalo. He was in California and, um, I did not, it was like four in the morning here in Buffalo where we were there and the doorbell rang and I said, oh my gosh, you know, you think it's kids outside fooling around. This would have been. Yeah. And there's two sheriffs outside. And I thought, oh, you know, you know, kids in the neighborhood doing something silly or right. I couldn't even think. And, you know, later on, I I think of military moms with, you know, what they go through. And I just, uh, of course, it was just, we weren't thinking. I said, you got to get up. I said, the, the police are here because I came down. I was in my pajamas and they said, can we come in? And I thought, oh, sure. So we ran upstairs and I said, you've got to get out of bed, you know, to my husband. I said, you yeah. got to get out of bed. He got dressed. We came down. Morning, is this your son? And I said, yes. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking, was he in a bar fight or something? Right, right. You think legal trouble, right? Yeah. I'm thinking, well, what did he do? What did he do? And they said he was hit by a car. And then my husband said, well, where is he? And they said, he's deceased. And the shock, my husband was crying and hysterical. I couldn't. And I think on one of your podcasts too, I was like that mother. I, I couldn't think I was standing there. It was just like, I wasn't even on this earth. I couldn't cry. I couldn't talk. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, my husband was hysterical crying. And um, finally I said to the um, sheriffs, I, they said, should they were trying to help? Can I said, no, I can take care of this. I said, I can take care of this. And then, you know, your whole world, it's um, like there was an explosion that things will never be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was that. I still have, I, st- I just can't get that time out of my mind. Yeah. You know, the shock, but it happened and it can happen to anybody. Why not us? Yeah, I know. I, I It's interesting to hear you talk about the car, the Toyota Sienna, because I am I'm kind of still that way, honestly. So I, you know, we were hit by a white BMW sedan and I see a white BMW. It's not, you know, I I just like I would get me really angry even ever seeing that. And then we and then our own Honda Odyssey, you know, we had the Honda Odyssey van. 
I still, I can't even look at a Honda Odyssey without thinking, you know, about us and our accident and, you know, and seeing our car and I don't know. Like I just, every time I look at a Honda Odyssey, I think about, well, that's what our family used to be. That was what our family, you know. So it's funny how those images, like things like that can just get you. Marcy, I, I understand. And um, it's strange now, you know, just over a year later, I, I'm i on the road. And um, every time I see a Sienna van, a white Sienna van, I just, it's like, I'm seeing them all the time now. I don't understand yeah. what it is. And, you know, I mean, they're coming at me. I said to my husband all the time, is this a sign? I, I don't understand. And one time I was in a parking lot waiting, my daughter had run in something. I thought, Andy, can you give me a sign? You know, I, there, and I'll tell you about this, this book. I said, please just give me a sign. Well, lo, it was a, and this is not the sign you want, but it's a white sea in a van pulls right up next to me. And I thought, geez, Andy, this is not quite the sign I want, you know? Thanks, but no thanks, my friend. Yes. But no thanks. But um, the thing is, my friend, when this happened, I have, I mean, I think when we go through this, this trauma, it's so important to have a network of friends yeah. that are there for you. And um, I have such, you know, good friends that my one friend gave me this book. It's called Signs. I don't know if you've heard about this book. No, uh-uh. Oh my gosh. It's by Laurel and Jackson. And it's saying, you know, you had a story in one of your podcasts and I have to tell you, I hear more stories like this when your son drew the family picture. Yeah. You said yeah. that, you know, he, you were so excited because they're in grade school and they draw this family picture. And you said, well, where are you, Andy? And he said, well, I'm, didn't he say I'm, I'm up looking down? I'm in heaven. He said, I, I'm in heaven. I'm not going to grow up all the way is what he told me. Honest to gosh, Marcy, when I heard that story, I, I started crying. There's a story too. I, I have to tell you, since this happened to me, one of my things that has helped me with this grief and I know I'll have this grief the rest of my life. I cry every yeah. day. So, but there's a book called In the Arms, in the, I think it's In the Arms of Angels. It's so good. The similar story to what you told me about your little Andy was this little girl was when, remember when that building in Oklahoma went down? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, she had a couple of days. She's with, she's four years old. She's with her mom in she said, mom, mommy, she said, what if I someday am a guardian angel and I'm looking down and I, I, you know, and her mommy, her mother said, oh no, I don't want you to die. She says, and she said, but I could take care of you. Well, then her grandparents were babysitter. She wasn't even in that daycare in that building, which, you know, was so tragic, but her grandparents had to go into that building that, that day to, I think it was social security or something, but she ended up perishing in that accident. Oh, because she was in there with her grandparents? Yes. But yeah. the mom was relating that story how a couple of days earlier that she, um, you know, had said this to her. And uh, I don't know, you know, it's the thing about life, which has helped me and which still I, I have a strong faith. You know, I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. Listen to you. I always look up when you have your podcast about the Psalms. Yeah. I always looked that up. My mother was, she was Methodist and Lutheran. I wish I had a, you know, better, you know, with the Psalms, they are so comforting. And my faith is strong. I do believe 
afterlife and reading these books. But I think in this group I'm in helping parents heal has helped me, but we all discuss, yes, I believe in this afterlife because how could I keep going if I didn't? Right. Um, I think that all religions, we, you know, we believe in God, but my belief has gotten so much stronger since this has happened. And I'll tell you, I'm not afraid as afraid of death as I was before Andy passed, because, you know, you want everybody to live a full life. And Andy was able to live some of his life, but yet not a full life. Right, right. I think I want to make sure I think that he's happy and he's okay. You know, okay. Yeah. I think that's the hard part, but we have to, um, this afterlife, how much, I mean, we don't know totally what it's like, but I believe in an afterlife. Yeah. Well, I just think about you and losing your mom just weeks before Andy too. And that, I mean, that really feels really meant to be, doesn't it? That she would die just before Andy. Like if Andy was going to die, I'm glad she w- she went a little bit first, right? To be To be there kind of for him in some ways. Yeah. Yes. There's actually a physician here around this, this area. He's written a book. Life is but a dream. I think it's called Life is But a Dream. His name is Christopher Kerr. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he is—he's um, head of the hospice program here in Buffalo. In uh, Buffalo, and uh, he wrote this book. And I, my friend, gave me that book, and it does deal more with you know patients going through cancer hospice. But his book is written about how during this time in their life they have to accept this final, you know that their life is not going to be as long as they thought it was. And they get visits of their loved ones that have passed before them. And um, he wrote this book, but it's, there is so much out there. I think that we, we just, there is so much more out there that we don't, you know, know, but yet it's there. And it certainly has given me more hope and faith by hearing these stories and, you know, you know, having this belief. Yeah. And I would say too, that my faith feels more honest in some ways than it used to, right? That I, you know, I get angry, I get upset, I get, I don't feel like I have just a cookie cutter kind of of way of thinking about my faith and religion now is it just feels more personal. And maybe it's because Andy's in heaven or I don't know, just feels more honest to me. I think you're right, Marcy. I I feel that way too. Um, What can we do? I think that, you know, and do you believe this? There's this, this thing too. Sometimes, sometimes people say things to you like, well, it was his time. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you know, his time. And then I remember sometimes these people are saying, and then there's, it was a long time ago in the hospital, a woman She was, I think her background was, she was Middle Eastern, you know, and uh, her daughter was going through cancer. And uh, she said, our children really, she said, someday if you have children, that um, our children are on loan to us, you know, given to us, but they're really on loan to us. They belong to God. And of course, you know, I think I always think of that. And I think, 
but it was my Andy. He is my, right. he's my Andy, you know, but yes, I, I don't know. I, I don't know all these, you know, different things that are said. And then there's the other thing is, do you believe this, that before we are born, that there's a plan in place? I mean, you know, of course we don't know that plan when we're here mm-hmm. and we're born, but yet is everything planned ahead of time? I, I mean, all these different things I'm trying to. Yeah. And, and that's hard. To, I don't know. I've had many conversations with my, with my pastor even about this. And my pastor will even said, God did not plan for Andy to die. Andy knew Andy was going to die, but God didn't plan for Andy to die. Dad, God doesn't want horrible things to happen to us. And that actually made me feel a little bit better because if I think about like, oh, this just God just planned that Andy was just going to live only that long. And that's just what he like wanted for Andy. Well, that that hurts hurts a little more. And that's a little harder for me to take. So and I don't know what way is right. And I don't fault anybody for having different thoughts about it because we don't know and we won't know. And then it doesn't matter (laughs) after we're gone. It doesn't matter. But for me, I just can't feel like God wanted Andy to die. I just can't like live that way. No, and I I agree with you. God doesn't do anything that would be negative or hurt anybody. My belief is that he's here. He's here to help us that we're not alone. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. And was he with our Andes when they were killed? Yep, he was. And was he with us then too? Yes, he was. Right. Yes. Yes. And of course, for myself, and I, I think of you, I mean, I can't imagine, and I'm sure, you know, sometimes those nightmares come back, you know, what had happened, but I felt so helpless because he was so far away, you know, yeah. and uh, it was just, I don't, you know, I think of this too, is they say he died, they, the, you know, the yeah. foreigner, oh, you know, he died on impact, but yet he lied there and was he alone, you know, I yeah. think of it. But no, it was just, I think accidents happen that, right. you know, it is random. I believe it's, it's just random. It just, what can you do? We have to make the best of our time here. And I, you know, that's what I, I believe. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's easier to do that than if you start to get too into everything is preordained and everything, every single thing that just gets to be hard for me. Yeah. And I, I, you know, this group I'm in and as you're doing these podcasts to help everybody, you know, that heaven forbid is going through terrible times that, um, you know, we try to then reach out and do something that helps people. Yes. That, you know, yes. Yes. And you try to get a little bit of purpose and have a little bit of good come out of something that is just horrible. And that doesn't make it good, but it could make it a little less horrible. Yes. Right. If you can get, if you can help somebody else or help yourself or just create just a little bit of light from it. Yes. I mean, so much of, of what you have said so resonates with me. And, you know, again, 
even him dying on Easter Sunday, because I told you this, that, you know, then Andy's very first birthday after he died was on Easter Sunday. And so we both have a very, you know, interesting relationship now with Easter Sunday, even uh, just thinking about that and about those kind of memories. So. And Easter was always my, I, I, my favorite holiday. It was like, you know, everything's reborn. It's, you know, the season it's, I, you know, spring, summer is such a beautiful time and it'll never be the same for me. I, um, you know, and even though Easter falls on different times every year, right. At Easter, you know, it's just, but I, what can you do? And I think, I, I think of you too. I mean, holidays will never be the same. And Andy, it was interesting. My Andy, he always said, you know, mom, holidays just, they're so overblown. And I'm thinking, yeah, but on Mother's Day, it'd be nice to get a card. <laughs> really? Um, you know, and it's like, you know, and then you've got friends, oh, you know, oh, I got this and that. And my Andy would give me, oh, he was a character. He, he would give me humorous money. Yes. And I saved all his cards, but uh, yes, Andy, he, you know, what can I say? <laughs> Just, uh, you know, holidays will never be the same. No, no holidays won't be the same. It, Yeah. That's one of the hardest things I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what's, it's hard for me. And I was going to say too, is it's, you know, a lot of people my age have grandchildren, their children have gotten married and I don't have any grandchildren and they'll say, oh, you know, even at these parent meetings, we got together and, you know, my grandchildren, I think, I don't know, would having grandchildren make this easier and that, but I, I just don't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't know either. So tell me about what you've done in your own grief journey, because you've touched on your support group a little bit. I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you did. Well, it, it took, you know, after the after the accident, you need time to just, you're in shock. And I think yeah, I was not, I was not into going to a, you know, everybody says you need, you know, there's grief counselors and therapists, am I saying it right? Therapists or, yeah. you know, and I thought, you know, I don't really want to talk to somebody unless they've been through this kind of like a lot of times. Yeah. So patients, you want to talk to somebody who's experienced what you have. So that's where I got into this parent groups, parent group in Buffalo and that have lost children. And the thing that was interesting was most of the people, and it tended to be mothers. And my husband is very supportive. He's the only male that came in. It's a small group, but they're my age. They're actually my age. And what's interesting is they, most of them, I would say 90% have lost sons that were adult sons. Oh, really? Yeah. That kind of surprised me because I thought, gee, you know, a lot of young children die, you know, they get, but um, they're, you know, so it's, it's predominantly the, they've lost adult children for different reasons, but that group has, you know, been nice and we meet once a month. Oh, that is nice. That is nice. It is nice. Actually, they're maybe this summer, we're trying to have a get together, you know, just a more social, in a social setting, because we meet in an older church that, but it's, it's, it's nice. And of course, I think what's helped me is having um, my friends, they, my, my one friend, you know, she's texting me all the time and, you know, just asking how you were and, you know, and you've heard this more than once. Sometimes the people you think are going to be there for you that you might have been closer to before this accident, they distance themselves. They're just not comfortable. Yeah. It's too hard on them. I mean, I've met friends 
for coffee, they, they start crying. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not crying right now, (laughs) but then I, but then it gives me a chance to help them, but yet, and then they don't contact me for another several months. And I'm thinking, yeah, wait a minute, you know, but I, (laughs) so, but yeah, some people are just better. It's nothing that there's wrong with if you're not better, but some people are more supportive. And I have had to ghost some people that just even before this, that weren't supportive of you before. And I thought, you know what, I don't really want to, you know, get into this, but sometimes you have to cut ties. Yeah, you're, you're right. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do because some people just aren't equipped to be able to sit in the dark space with you. Right. And that's nothing wrong. It's Mm -hmm. just that they can't handle it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny right now, Gwen and I are working on doing a training for the state of Michigan. It's through the department of public health and some different agencies for the state on training county nurses, training people that, that work for the state on working with people with grief, with grieving families. And one of the things that I am really focusing on, because of course we have to talk about, you know, being comfortable talking to people in this. But I also wanted to point out, if you can't, because some people can't, they just are so incredibly uncomfortable as being in the dark space that they can't do that very long. Now, I expect we will have to be able to get everybody to tolerate to a certain point. But if you can't be one to sit there with this family, then you need to find someone who is. And you need to kind of know that about yourself, know your own limitations and be able to do that. And because it is really hard when you're a grieving person and someone is short and brief and you think all they want to do is just get out of here. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's hard. It is hard. And that is actually going to make things worse for them if you just are just panicky and leave than like even saying, I'm going to get someone who can sit here with you. That is enough because now it knows I care. I want someone to be able to be here with you. And I know that that person's not me. Okay. You know, instead of just fleeing and saying something stupid. Or looking at the watch (laughs) and thinking, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. Right. No. And I think that this came up in one of your podcasts too. I, maybe it was with Gwen, but sometimes you do, you have to sometimes cut ties. Yeah. It's not that you don't like that person, but yet you do have to take care of yourself. And I think, that, mm-hmm. you know, some of those relationships and you can handle it before you've been through a traumatic thing, Yeah, you, you know, because sometimes you put up with things, but certainly when you're more vulnerable and you're in this gone through this in life, you do have to, you have to take care of yourself and what works for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like what you said too, because I feel like after you've gone through this, some things that other people get distressed about just seem dumb and stupid. Oh, And I just can't handle the stupidness, right? So if you're going to be going crazy over this, that, and the other thing, then I just can't, I just don't have time for you. I just can't because I can't be around someone making a big deal out of things that are trivial. Absolutely. But in a way, when you think about it, it's made us have a better outlook 
on life. I mean, it's what's important. Yeah. I mean, right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I went for a go for a haircut or something. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is not what I want. But then I thought, oh, who cares? This is a, <laughs> yeah. my hair will grow. Maybe you know, it's like, you know, who cares really? And it's, that's good. So, right. You no, know? I mean, I really honestly don't sweat the small stuff now. You know, they have, there's that, that well, saying, don't sweat the small stuff. That's my life now. I don't sweat the small stuff. No, because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you know what? So what the house is messy. Look, you know what? It'll get done, but who cares? Yeah. You know, yes. In a way, it's kind of, you know, you can look at it as a positive. It's changed. Right. You know? Right, right, right. That's one of those things that I, I, you know, you sense the hesitancy. You don't even want to say it because you don't want there to be anything positive to come of it because you just in some ways feel like you want it to be all awfulness. But I mean, that, that is what, what we can do is we can make a few good things happen. And if that's something, if my outlook on life and the outlook of my family on life is different in a better way because of having experienced this, okay, that's okay. And that's good. That is good. And I think the thing too is, you know, about life is that, you know, death is inevitable. Okay. It's, it's yeah. going to happen and we're here. We don't know how long, but we're all going to have to face it someday. Yeah. We will be together. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, you, you think of these things, but another thing that's, it's helped me not to get off track too, is doing, I made a quilt. I took fabric from Andy's scrubs and, you know, it, oh. it kept me busy. I think sometimes too, is it's okay. To, you, you need to get something that you enjoy to, you know, yeah. busy, but I, I made a quilt <laughs> and I oh it's beautiful you know when he was little he loved Ghostbusters and I'm trying to think the turtles the ninja turtles and oh sure yeah you know all those action figures so I, I made the quilt with that and put his fabric from his scrubs in it and it's it's I feel it's it's part of Andy and you know too that thing is just their clothing and that just as you, know, you put it in a plastic bag you can smell you can you know, yeah, I know. your son, but that's kind of, that's helped too. I'm not getting rid of things. I'm, I'm keeping them, you know, yeah. and I, I have his pictures all over because I, don't you feel we don't want our sons to be forgotten. No, I know. And their memory, their memory will live forever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, and I, I think you, the way you've got your basketball and the, the soccer ball, He's still, he's still there, you know? Yep. Yep. We do. We have his room just looking around. And I'm looking, I've got, I think there's 10 pairs of basketball shoes here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that helps. But the grief, like I say, it, it will be here. And I, I brought up, I was telling my friend the other day about your resilience, you know, the, and I said, I have, I'm still here. I'm, I can function, you know, during the day, but I do. And, you know, even I can laugh, I mean, too, but not as, you know, not as much as I used to. And I'm not as innocent as I used to be. Yeah. I'm going to be okay because, you know, I have to, I have to keep going, but it was something else. I, I, I'm trying to, it was something about, oh, and I mean, even my neighbor said to me, oh, because Andy to release stress, you know, from, he was, he lived with us during dental school because 
you know, it, it was, yeah, sure. It made sense. I, I, yeah. My gosh, being the mother, I love to cook for him and, you know, he, um, wouldn't have to pay rent. So he did, he actually, with the money, some of the money he had, he built a basketball court in our backyard and I'm looking, I'm looking at it now. And our neighbor said something like, well, it, you know, that's kind of a waste now. And I, th- I, I couldn't, I thought to myself, I thought it's not a waste. I look at it and this is my son. I'm, I'm looking, it's part of my life. That was my son. I'm looking at this basketball court and I, I go out and shoot baskets too. I'll be darned. I go out and I shoot baskets and I have bought, I've gone to the dollar store and I've bought probably 30 little solar lights and at night it lights up. I'm, you know what? That's part of my Andy. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, he didn't like, you know, even when he was little, he didn't like the dark. So I've got solar lights all over this court. And I, it probably, if somebody's passing the house, think, wow, was, are they from another planet? But (laughs) boy, they like to play basketball in the middle of the night, don't they? Yeah. And my my (laughs) husband says, I'll be darn, we're going out, we're going to shoot baskets. I don't care if it's one in the morning. I said, well, yeah, all right, let's go do it. You know, but that was what Andy liked. I love that. I love that. I just loved hearing about him today and just wonderful. It was just wonderful to talk to another Andy's mom and get to hear about another Andy. Well, Marcy, thank you so much. And I'll tell you, your podcasts have helped me. I think what you're doing is wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so, so much. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.